informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Friday, December the 17th, you have officially arrived. Well, okay, you're eight hours away from your weekend anyway. Uh, God is so very good. Uh, maybe this is the weekend where you you begin to prepare for the Christmas season with maybe some decorations. I don't want to get too carried away. It's still Advent season. However, things are spicing up, right? They're getting a little warmer. Praise be to God. We can almost hear the Christmas carols in the distance. But uh, come, oh come, Emmanuel, we still have a week of Advent to enjoy. Praise be to God. On the program today, we were going to have Dr. Michael Barber on uh, to talk about his brand new book, about the the meaning of Christmas. However, unfortunately, he is not feeling well, so please do us a favor and keep him in your prayers. Uh, He would be grateful, his family would be grateful, we would be grateful too. Uh, And hopefully we'll get him rescheduled to still have that conversation. Uh, But we've asked uh, my friend Brent Haynes, attorney, and uh, political uh, analyst and and Catholic speaker to be on the program to catch us up. There is a story out of Life News about the Texas heartbeat bill being thrown back from the U.S. Supreme Court uh, to an appeals court. What does that mean? Is does do babies get to continue to survive abortion in Texas? We're going to catch up on that story plus some of the other big stories in the headline news in regards to court cases. So all of that coming up at 35 past the hour. In the what's concerning us section, there are a few stories as I like to say that are of great concern. Here's a headline out of LifeSite News. Teachers reportedly coached girl into a trans identity then accused parents of abusing her. Okay, that's less than fun. That's less than optimal. We're going to cover that story a little bit. Plus, uh, there, uh, there's a doctor, a world-renowned cardiologist, who is trying to sound the alarm of the link between myocarditis and the vaccines. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. All that coming up at 15 past. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. You're like one Friday away from being a Texan. Yep. It's, so. it's, it's getting exciting. Praise be to God. Just imagine your first visit to a Bucky's ever. I can't wait. It's can't it's going to be epic. Uh, truly <laughs> epic. I mean, that's probably high in your bucket list of things to do when you uh, finally arrive uh, out of uh, out of lockdown California. What are you guys calling it these days? Uh, we're, we're calling it internment. <laughs> internment California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we have fun with it anyway. Praise be to God. Uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Speaking of uh, fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Praise be to God. No, <laughs> praise be to God. It's good to be here. Awkward. It is a okay. beautiful a Friday morning. The sun is uh, not quite out yet, but you know, praise be to God for it. Praise we're having, to God we're gonna it. have a wonderful weekend. And happy birthday to my mother. Technically her birthday wow. is not till Sunday. So I'll probably say happy birthday to her again on Monday. Nice. But happy birthday, my mom, mom is turning forty on Sunday. Turning forty? Okay, okay, fine. That's not true. Okay, it's not true. <laughs> but I can't say tell everybody my mom. Golden, I was gonna is. say golden rule. We don't. We go. can't reveal the no. age of ladies. But on praise the be to God. Thank you, mom, for giving birth to me and raising me. I am very appreciative. Praise be to God. Well, happy birthday. That's super fun. Hopefully, you guys do something super cool on on Sunday. Uh, that'll be awesome. Uh, we are going to have a great show today. Uh, next week, now I want to just really quickly mention. 
Next week, we have some great shows lined up for you early next week. We are going to have on the program Stephen Mosier again. He's going to be back. Alex Marlowe, editor-in-chief of Breitbart. If you are on the CDT Insider email list, then you have first access to that interview. I sent it to you yesterday along with the old-school radio drama from 1947, The Incident at Bethlehem. Super cool. I also sent you some other great content, so check your inbox there. If you're not on that list, go to the website and get on that list, and you'll be able to get that email on Sunday afternoon. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Also on the show next week is Bishop Athanasius Schneider. He's going to be back on the program to talk about the rumors coming out of Rome about uh, the uh, the directives against the old uh, versions or the old forms of the sacraments, according to the tradition of the Church, as well as how, how to live the Christmas octave to its max potential. That's coming up next week, and so much more. So you're not going to want to miss next week's round of Catholic Drive Time. But let's uh, jump in. We have a lot to cover today. Plus, we have uh, the, uh, the Bagats today to cover in the Gospel section. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Rudy Carlos here. Let's dive into the headlines for today. Daily Wire reports Supreme Court sends Texas abortion case to more conservative court against wishes of abortion providers. On Thursday, the Supreme Court sent a case regarding Texas abortion law back to back to an appeals court receiving some pushback from pro-abortion advocates in the process. According to the Washington Post, Attorney General Ken Paxton told the Supreme Court that Texas plans to ask the Fifth Circuit to direct the Texas Supreme Court to interpret a provision of the state's law before the case is sent back to the district court. It is unclear how long that could take. CNN reported the Fifth Circuit, the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, previously allowed the law to remain on the books and is now likely to send the case to the Texas Supreme Court to resolve questions concerning the enforcement authority of the licensing officials. That process could take months and is likely to mean that abortion providers in the state will still be unwilling to perform the procedure after six weeks for fear of harsh penalties set out in the law. Epic Times reports U.S. Congress approves world's first legislation banning imports from Xinjiang over forced labor concerns. The U.S. Senate approved legislation on December 16th to ban all imports from China's Xinjiang region, where Beijing is holding more than one million Uyghurs in internment camps over forced labor concerns. The measure is now headed to the White House, where President Joe Biden has said he'll sign it into law. The move complements a series of actions by the Biden administration aimed at holding the Chinese regime accountable over its presentation over its repression in Xinjiang which Washington has labeled as a genocide. The state approved the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act by unanimous consent two days after the House approved it with a unanimous, unanimous voice vote. The U.S. government has already banned all cotton and tomato products from Xinjiang over forced labor concerns. Imports from several Xinjiang solar panel material manufacturers were also barred by the Biden administration after reports that some companies in the region were using forced Uyghur labor. 
Xinjiang supplies most of the world's materials for solar panels, and this is the real cost of going green. The legislation creates a reputable, rep, a reputable presumption that all goods from Xinjiang are made with forced labor, which in effect bars all such imports. Products from the region will only be allowed in the United States if the government determines that there's clear and convincing evidence that they weren't made with forced labor. And LifeSite reports study finds drastic drop in cognitive abilities of children born during COVID, masks possibly to blame. In August 2021, a study out of Rhode Island found that children born during the COVID-19 pandemic have markedly lower cognitive ability compared to their pre-pandemic counterparts. Children born and raised during COVID-19 suffered significant cognitive developmental delays in both verbal and nonverbal cognitive assessments when compared to kids born before the pandemic, the study found. While the study is not yet peer-reviewed, the researchers intimated that the pandemic measures and their subsequent effects are likely the culprit behind the devastating decline. Children are inherently shaped by their environment across the fetal, infant, and early childhood life stages. A child's brain undergoes immense structural and functional growth that is driven by an integrative mix of genetic and environmental factors. The outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic and the associated economic shutdown, school disruptions, and social distancing, stay-at-home, and mask mandates have fundamentally altered the environment in which children and their pregnant mothers have lived over the past 18 months. And The Hill reports police issue warrant of Baldwin's cell phone in investigation of rust shooting. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Bega. She was born in 615. This saint was the daughter of Pepin of Landon and the eldest sister of Saint Gertrude of Nivelle. And she married Ansegis, son of Saint Arnold, who was sometime mayor of the palace and afterwards bishop of Metz. Her husband being killed in a hunting trip, she dedicated herself to a penitential state of retirement. And after performing a pilgrimage to Rome, built seven chapels at Andon on the Meuse, an imitation of the seven principal churches at Rome. There, she also founded a great nunnery in imitation of that which her sister governed at Nivelle, from which she was furnished with a little colony who laid the foundation of this monastery and lived under her direction. Many holy virgins were trained up by them in the perfect practice of piety. That's a lot of peace. The rich monastery of Andon was afterwards converted into a collegiate church of 32 canonesses of noble families, with 10 canons to officiate at the altar. It is situated in the forest of Arden in the Diocese of Namar. St. Beg uh, departed to our Lord in the year 698 in his mention in the Roman Martyrology. She was also the great-great-great-grandmother of Emperor Charlemagne. Hmm. She died in 693. St. Bega, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. The Book of the Genealogy of Jesus Christ The Son of David, the Son of Abraham Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab became the father of Nishan, and Nishan the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. 
Solomon became the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph, Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jerome, Jerome the father of Uzziah, Uzziah became the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah, Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jeconiah became the father of Shelitiel. Shelitiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abuid. Abuid the fa- became the father of Elikiam. Elikiam, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eluid. Eluid, the father of Eliziar. Eliziar became the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. Jacob became the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of her was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysostom said, And do not consider this genealogy a small thing to hear. For truly, it is a marvelous thing that God should descend to be born of a woman and to have his ancestors, David and Abraham. Close quote. St. Chrysostom, pray for us. Uh, this, This passage really is a marvelous passage, although it is feared by those who have to read it every time because of the many names, of course, and how long it is. Uh, But it is an incredible passage because it does more than you think. And when you read it on the surface, you can get bored quickly. But Ignatius Catholic Commentary today was very, very good uh, on this particular passage. I really like it because it points out some of the great stuff. I don't have all the time in the world to, to share it with you, but let me just tease you a little bit here. The fact that the uh, that it starts with Abraham, very important. Why? Because the prophecy of who the king would come from is coming from the line of Abraham, right? So there's a, a promised uh, Messiah coming down from that line, and this links back to that. The fact that these women were included in this genealogy is stunning, especially given the fact that all of these women, except for Our Lady, have, uh, have uh, some sexual immorality in their past. The fact that there's 14, three 14 uh, generation sections is very important. All links back to David. This screams the promise Messiah from the line of David all the way back to Abraham. Super important, but we're going to have to leave it there for today, at least for this hour. Next hour, we'll say more. Coming up next, what's concerning us? Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Many Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, 
John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt, but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So, Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, attorney Brent Haynes is going to be on, political analyst, Catholic speaker, to catch us up on some of the court cases that are in the news right now, to include uh, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. How do we say her name correctly? Ghislaine Maxwell, Jesse Smollett. But the Supreme Court sent back the Texas heartbeat bill to an, uh, an appeals court we're going to catch that and figure out what that means coming up at 35 past the hour. There are, as I say, several stories in the news that uh, are of great concern to me, and I'm sure to you as well. Uh, here's one out of LifeSite News. The headline goes, teachers reportedly coached girl into a trans identity, then accused parents of abusing her. Hmm. Let's read a little bit here. Outraged parents blasted school teachers and administrators who had undermined their parenting and placed their kids' lives in danger by covertly funneling their children into programs where they were groomed to assume transgender or LGBTQ plus identities. Two teachers at Buena Vista Middle School um, reportedly co- coaxed a 12-year-old into believing she was not a girl but a trans boy with the support of administrators, changed the girl's name and pronouns. During a packed school board meeting this week, the girl's mom took to the podium to uh, excoriate the school staff. Quote, my child almost lost her life. They didn't tell me that my child was suicidal, unquote, explained the mother, identified as Jessica Conan. Going on to say, quote, you allowed these teachers to open their classrooms teaching uh, predatorial information to a young child, my child, who doesn't even know how to comprehend it all, unquote. Yay and amen, Mom, uh, for sure. Cramming things down the throats of these little kids and their minds well before they're, they're really mature enough to process these, these ideas. That is the pressure the world has been putting onto our children. The article goes on to say, quote, uh, do they have psychiatric, psychiatry degrees that I am unaware of? Uh, because I did not hire them to sit there and nitpick my child's brain, unquote. Going on to say, quote, you took away my ability to parent my child. You planted seeds, she told the teachers and staff who interfered with her child's life. Going on to say, quote, your job was to educate my child in math, science, English, etc. Do your job and let me do mine, unquote. She said to thunderous applause from the standing room only crowd. Uh, This is uh, a trend we're seeing more and more of, but this is very troubling. You know, we send our kids to schools. Well, most of us send our kids to schools. Um, We we can't. It's not a drop off program, right? You can't just drop your kid off and hope and expect count upon the teachers 
having your best interest at heart for your children. You are the primary educator of your children, as uh, the Catechism uh, makes very clear to us. You are the guardian and protector of your children, and we cannot trust them, especially given the fact that they're at such a, a vulnerable age, impressionable age. Peer pressure is one of the biggest contributing factors to these issues, to con- gender confusion, ideologies, suicides, and depressions. Drop it. We can't just drop them off, set it and forget it, Ronco style. We have to be very, very involved. You have to understand who their teachers are, what's, what's being taught, what are they learning, who are their friends. I mean, that's just the way it is. And that's our job as parents. And this, this story reminds us of the dangers we, we face in just dropping our kids off, which reminds me real quick to say, I think often when it comes to education, we homeschool our kids, and I would encourage everyone to do the same. But there are many parents who don't have a choice. They simply don't have that option, which is why I say we should fight for school. We should fight for school choice options for parents that don't have these options of of homeschooling. We should let their tax dollars give them the opportunity to provide the best possible education opportunities for their children, not just whatever's local and nearby, which is often not so good. Especially I'm thinking about the uh, single moms out there struggling to to get by day to day and just want the best for their kids under difficult circumstances. Why, no matter who's in office, no matter which party seems to be running the show at the moment, can we never get school choice? I'm just curious. Why is that never an option? Republican or Democrat, it never seems to make it make it through. Just curious. All right, there is another story here I want to talk about. Uh, yesterday in the after show, we were sort of joking quite a bit here. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, there was a report out about Sergio Aguero. Uh, Barcelona Ford announces his retirement from football after heartbeat problems. Now, um, this is an ongoing term. We actually talked about it a few days ago. Uh, there is a, a definite problem going around with myocarditis on young people, people at their their peak physical performance, um, people, athletes, dropping dead, suffering severe problems uh, of myocarditis. Why is that? And is there a link back to the vaccines? That's what we talked about a few days ago. Well, there's a story out. Uh, a top cardiologist. This is a guy who's who's world renowned and respected for his expertise on the subject. And this headline out of the Western Journal says study argues uh, myocarditis radically more prevalent among COVID vaxxed children than non-vaxxed study, uh, not peer reviewed. But Dr. Peter McCullough in a podcast tries to sound the alarm between the link. Now th- there's a, there's a clip I want to play for you um, that's related to this. And the clip, let me set this up for you. The clip is on the FDA YouTube channel. So this is the official uh, Food and Drug Administration YouTube channel. And the gentleman that you're going to be hearing is Steve Kirch. He's the executive director of COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. And he's trying to raise awareness between these links. Now, again, this is on the official FDA YouTube channel. Not making this up. This was during an eight-hour-long webinar on the uh, vaccines and related biological products advisory committee meeting on the 17th 
of September. Adrian, can you cue that up for us? I'm Steve Kirsch. I'm executive director of the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund. I have no conflicts. Uh, advance to slide number four with the elephant. I'm going to focus my remarks today on the elephant in the room that nobody likes to talk about, that the vaccines kill more people than they save. Today, we focus almost exclusively on COVID death saves and vaccine efficacy because we were led to believe that the vaccines are perfectly safe. But this is simply not true. For example, there were four times as many heart attacks in the treatment group in the Pfizer six-month trial report. That wasn't bad luck. Theirs shows heart attacks happen 71 times more often following these vaccines compared to any other vaccine. In all, 20 people died who got the drug, 14 died who got the placebo. Few people notice that. If the net all-cause mortality from the vaccines is negative, vaccines, boosters, and mandates are all nonsensical. This is the case today. Death rates. Um, uh, let's slide number seven, advance uh, to the number seven in lower part. This shows that the all-cause uh, death light rate in, uh, in three cases. Only the VAERS numbers are statistically significant, but the other numbers are troubling. Even if the vaccines had 100% protection, it still means we kill two people to save one life. Four experts did analyses using completely different non-U.S. data sources, and all of them came up with approximately the same number of excess vaccine-related deaths, about 411 deaths per million doses. That translates into 150,000 people have died. Next slide would be slide number 11. Uh, the nursing home. So this now, is, uh, we'll, we'll link to it. It's, again, on the official FDA YouTube channel. It was a part of an eight-hour webinar, and there were many presenters, and Steve was just one of them. But uh, that's pretty bold language to, uh, to hear from somebody giving a presentation to officials at the FDA. That uh, it, Going back to this article out of the Western Journal about Dr. Peter McCullough, this article, let me read, read this to you and why I think this is important. It says, quote, under normal circumstances, when officials learned on January 22 of this year that there had already been 182 deaths following 278 million shots, the vaccine program would have been halted, McCullough said on a uh, Dark Horse podcast of a scientist, Brett Weinstein. Quote, our COVID vaccine program would have been shut down in February for excess mortality in America, unquote, he said. McCullough said the shutdown should have been similar to the 1976 suspension of nationwide voluntary vaccination for the swine flu, following only three deaths and 94 cases of paralysis due to the shots. He said there are major risks with the COVID shots, especially for old people. Going on to say, quote, we now we now know it's the seniors who die with the vaccine. Fifty percent of the, these deaths occur within 48 hours, 80 percent within a week. He said, now, let me remind you, this is Dr. Peter McCullough, somebody who's published more than 650 times in medical journals. He is the editor of a cardiology magazine, author of a cardiology textbook, as well as being an internist and qualified in public health. McCullough is critical of government response to the covid pandemic. He's not critical of vaccines in general. In fact, he points that out in the podcast itself, if you go back and listen to it, uh, which we can link to. But you'll be able to hear him say, you know, we don't go protesting uh, some of these other vaccines. I know people, some people who do. But he's saying he and his peers are not. But this one, they are. They're trying to sound the alarm that it's like a lottery. You take it and you're not sure how it's going to come out. 
He goes on to say there's nursing home studies from Europe and Scandinavia. They show when they actually review the charts, they're in this in the seniors. At least 40 percent, the doctors have concluded, are directly due to the vaccines. McAuliffe said patients suffered, quote, severe reactions, fever, chills, nausea, vomiting, blood pressure dropping and then death within a day or two. Whether it's basically a a cardiopulmonary collapse due to overwhelming production of the spike protein or a thrombiombolic, good grief, I can't say that word. I guess I got to go to medical school. Thrombiombolic or bleeding death a few weeks later. I should have just said bleeding death for crying out loud. The article goes on to say, but they are clearly biologically related to the vaccines, he says. He's raising the alarm, and this is important because as I started out by saying, these soccer players, these uh, we've seen them from all sports all over the world. There's this disturbing video. I played some of it earlier this week uh, during this segment for those watching on the live video feed of these athletes, these young people in the prime of their life, uh, just falling, uh, just falling down. It's disturbing to see this. These are people who are fit. They're in peak performance. This guy here. He is retiring, Sergio Aguero, retiring from, from the sport that he loves very much. He's obviously a uh, uh, someone who is in, considered at the top of the game, world-renowned soccer player, somebody who should not be retiring at this point in his life, is retiring because he fears for his life, like he may die as a result to the physical exertion, even though he is in great physical condition. This is a concern, and this is the point. So this is the takeaway right here. You should be able to have a conversation with your doctor. You should be able to talk about the issues. You should be able to look at your own medical history and have a reasonable conversation about what's the best course of action for you and for your family. But society around us has said, no, you're not allowed to have that conversation. You're not allowed to question. Just trust the plan. Just trust the plan. Consult your doctor. Have serious and sober conversations. That's what we need to do. We'll be right back. Are the biblical miracles too far-fetched to believe? Dead people rising, blind people seeing? How can a rational person believe such things? Well, it might seem irrational to believe relative to our general background knowledge, but relative to specific evidence, the obstacle of improbability can be overcome. For example, it's improbable for someone to rise from the dead. But if there were credible eyewitness testimonies, as in the case with Jesus, then belief would be rationally justified. Second, many skeptics often don't consider the improbability of the reported miracle being false. With regard to Jesus' resurrection, it's unreasonable to believe the apostles died for what they knew to be a lie, or that many different people had the same hallucination at the same time on different occasions. So miracles are not too far-fetched to believe if there is sufficient evidence to justify belief. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos. Here are your headline news this morning. 
The Blaze reports FDA loosens abortion pill regulations will permanently allow women to get it by mail. The FDA has reversed a previous rule that will now permanently allow women to get mifespertone by mail, according to the New York Times. The case regarding the future of mifespertone, otherwise known as the abortion pill in America, was triggered by the ACLU challenging current rules regarding how and where a woman may receive medication-based abortion. The Biden administration loosened FDA restrictions on mifespertone earlier this year, reversing a Trump-era policy using the COVID-19 pandemic as justification for the FDA's decision. The ACLU's lawsuit argues that the FDA's current risk evaluation and mitigation strategy places burdensome restrictions on medication abortion because the patient must be handed the medication at a clinic, medical office, or hospital from a healthcare provider who is pre-registered with a drug manufacturer and arranged to order and stock the abortion pill in their healthcare facility. Yeah, but what about the burdensome restrictions on the child in the womb, for example? I guess that doesn't matter. Epic Times reports Jelaine Maxwell defense calls its first five witnesses, and Breitbart reports U.S. Navy successfully tests high-energy laser weapon in Gulf of Aden. The USS Portland destroyed a static target in the Gulf of Aden as part of a demonstration. The Gulf separates East Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. The system was initially installed on the San Antonio-class amphibious transport dock ship in 2018 and successfully destroyed an unmanned aerial vehicle, a UAV, in 2020. I wonder if that was from a different planet. The Laser Weapon System Demonstrator is a follow on the Laser Weapon System that the afloat forward staging base USS Ponce tested for three years while operating in the Middle East, according to a Navy release. Fox News reports rate at which people stopped moving to California surprised researchers statewide phenomenon. The number of people moving to California has significantly, significantly dropped since the pandemic started last year, while the number of people fleeing the state continues to rise, according to a new study. The study found that 38%, uh, there was a 38% decrease in people moving to California at the end of September 2021 compared to the end of March 2020. The study found a 12% increase in residents moving out of state. I guess I'm a statistic now. Co-author of the study, Evan White, noted that while spiked exodus from the state is notable, the drop in people moving to the state is the bigger story. This year, California also lost one of its 53 house seats for the first time in its history due to a stall in population increases. California is the capital of homelessness and poverty, suffocating gas and income rate taxes, and the highest number of residents picking up and moving to more affordable and welcoming states, GOP Party Chairwoman Jessica Milan Patterson said in April. In an April statement of the lost seat, Californians will have one less voice to speak for us in Washington, which proves yet again that it's time for change and real leadership. Those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Before I forget, uh, the Guadalupe Radio Network is trying to give somebody a Mercedes, a brand new Mercedes. Could be you. Uh, you might be able to uh, drive home a brand new Mercedes in 2022. Uh, for the details, go to the website, grnonline.com, and uh, scroll down. You'll find a picture of the Mercedes GLA 250 there. Click on that. You get the rules that you can purchase raffle tickets and, and all the rest. All proceeds go to support the Guadalupe Radio Network and our radio postulate. Uh, joining us right now via the phone is Attorney Brent Haynes, Catholic public speaker on uh, religious liberty, pro-life, and, and political analyst as well. Good morning to you, Mr. Haynes. 
Good morning, Joe. Good morning to everybody out there. Praise be to God. We're grateful for you being on the program today. I saw a headline news today said Supreme Court sends Texas abortion ban to appeals court. Uh, so what does this mean? We're all, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, though, Brent. When this first came out, the Texas uh, heartbeat bill, which essentially really slowed down, I mean, significantly slowed down abortions in the great state of Texas. Um, I thought, oh, this will last, you know, six or seven hours. I mean, there's no way this will go a whole day. And here we are, like, months later. This is amazing. But what does this new, latest uh, news mean? Well, Joe, you're, you're exactly right. The way that system normally works is a state will pass a law uh, that somebody says is unconstitutional. So we've seen that, as you've said many times, in abortion cases. And in fact, um, Arizona has passed a law earlier this year that prohibits abortions based on genetic anomalies, basically trying to protect you know, babies from being aborted because they might have Down syndrome. Uh, normally what happens is the people who oppose that, so in this case the abortion uh, advocates, they file a lawsuit, they go to court, and they ask the judge to issue an order declaring the law unconstitutional in an order preventing the state or certain officials within the state from enforcing that law. And that's what's going on with the Arizona law. That's in the court system now. It's working its way up and down the system. And there are always two issues in those cases. First, uh, the, you know, the, the abortion advocates, for example, in the Arizona case, as in the Texas case, they go to court and they say, hey, this law is, this law is unconstitutional. We want you to rule it unconstitutional. But those cases take time. It takes time for lawyers to develop arguments. Judges always want to hear the arguments fully developed. And so the lawyers also say, in the meantime, before we get to this, the, the ultimate issue, which we refer to as on the merits in the law, we want you to put the law on hold. And that's why you hear about courts issuing injunctions that basically stop a law from going into effect while they decide whether or not it's constitutional. Now, the reason the Texas case is different is the law was cleverly written, and the Texas abortion law, SB 8, or for Senate Bill 8, or the heartbeat law, the reason it's different is it was cleverly written in that government officials do not enforce the Texas heartbeat law. The law in Texas that is in the courts now, all the way up to the Supreme Court and back down, and will continue to be for quite a while, it doesn't allow state officials or give state officials uh, the power to enforce the law. Instead, it allows private citizens to sue abortion providers and anybody who assists in an abortion. And that makes it very difficult for the abortion providers to know how to go about getting the law declared unconstitutional because they don't know who to sue. Mm. So sending this back to the appeals court, now the article out of LifeSite, or yeah, Life News rather, Life News says a U.S. Supreme Court decision Thursday dealt another blow to the Texas abortion industry by sending its lawsuit against the state heartbeat law back to federal appeals court that previously allowed the legislation to go into effect. Now, uh, some are speculating that they could have sent this to some, like to a federal judge or somebody else, and it would have uh, probably you know, done more harm to this opportunity to save babies than this decision is going to do. So what will be the net yeah. effect here? Well, and that's one of the procedural complexities of this case. This Lawyers and law professors and law students will be studying this case for 
years to come because of the procedural complexities. What the Supreme Court did there and what that article is talking about is once the Supreme Court issued their decision, they sent it back down. The abortion advocates wanted to, to go back to the district court, back to the single judge where they filed the lawsuit. And they always choose a friendly court where they file those lawsuits, and they, that, they got that judge to rule that it was unconstitutional. And that, and that doesn't necessarily mean that that judge was wrong. You know, district court judges aren't supposed to be quick to decide cases, but to decide laws are unconstitutional. Generally, they should enforce the laws as they are written and let the appellate courts do that. But the uh, abortion advocates wanted the Texas case to go back to the district court because that court is friendlier and they want to try to get this case decided the way these cases are normally decided. The state of Texas said, no, there are other legal issues here. This needs to go back to the Fifth Circuit, which is a higher ranking court. It's the Court of Appeals in between Texas and the U.S. Supreme Court, and it is more conservative. So they expect a friendlier audience there. But despite who is friendlier or which way judges might lean, there are other, there are other important legal issues here that um, that aren't going to get a lot of coverage in the press, but the, but the courts are paying a lot of attention to them. And one of those is whether you can sue government officials. Generally, you cannot, people might find this to be surprising, but generally you can't sue the government. It's called sovereign immunity. And what the abortion advocates did was they tried to sue the uh, attorney general, for example. They tried to sue some uh, some county court clerks and a state court judge. And the Supreme Court basically said, no, look, you can't do that. You, you can't go around and sue state court judges because you'd basically be invalidating an entire branch of, of government that's been in our system for over 200 years. So the Supreme Court sent it back to the Fifth Circuit to decide some of these some of those complex issues that would apply in any case that was set up like this, whether the underlying issue was abortion or some other issue. So it's a very extremely complex procedural case. We're probably nowhere near getting a decision on this. And at the same time, of course, we have the case from Mississippi that we discussed a couple of weeks ago where there's just a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. So there's a lot playing out, and it's playing out in a very uh, complex legal arena. So uh, pro-life advocates, hopefully, uh, will keep praying for the right result and for wisdom for our judges. We have uh, just a few seconds here before we're going to go to a break. Uh, we're talking with Attorney Brent Haynes. He is a Catholic public speaker on religious liberty, pro-life issues, and a political analyst. Um, but there are a couple of other stories. I know Rudy wants to jump in and ask a question, but we're going to take that after the break. Uh, but I also want to ask you about the Ghislaine Maxwell story, of course, Jesse Smollett story that just wrapped up. Uh, turns out, guess what? He was making it all up. I mean, I watched yesterday a behavioral panel, a science panel, review his interview, and boy, you could tell it a mile away. Uh, but at any rate, we'll get your opinion on that and other stories coming up right after this short break of Catholic Drive Time. Do us a favor, dear listener, and share us with a friend. We'd be very, very grateful. But more on the breaking story coming out of the Supreme Court and pro-life news, all that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time, be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, the other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. 
and the church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We're talking with attorney Brent Haynes. He is a Catholic public speaker and uh, political analyst, and we have him on the show uh, frequently to give us some insight into some of these cases that we're reading about in the news. We've been talking about the Supreme Court case going back to uh, sending the Texas Arby bill back to an appellate court, and but uh, it looks like babies are still going to get to say, be saved for a while. So praise be to God. I, I'm just blown away by how long this is going. Uh, however, uh, there are some other stories in the headline news I'd like to get your comment on, uh, Brent. Welcome back to the show. Jesse Smollett, uh, this case wrapped up, was it last week, I think? And uh, in fact, it turns out he he made the whole affair up. I don't know. I mean, I guess the first clue ought to have been uh, Maka Country, downtown Chicago. Really? Um, okay. I, you know, that wasn't even the first. I lived in Chicago for nine years, Joe. That wasn't the first <laughs> clue. First clue to me was who goes out at, what, 2 o'clock in the morning yeah. in the sub-freezing sub weather in Chicago. And anybody <laughs> who's lived up there or lives in the cold, lives right. through those cold winners knows how brutal it can get uh it it just sounded suspicious from the beginning you don't go outside when it's that cold and when you have that kind of celebrity and status and money you use DoorDash. <laughs> Uber Eats, yeah. You make someone else go out in the cold. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, there, there's a reason, you know, I moved to Texas, uh, Chicago, in many ways a great city, but not, you know, not in the winter. Well, so uh, what what is he facing here? I don't think I've heard any follow-up as far as, like, what his penalties are going to be, punishments or anything like that. Do you have any idea of what, uh, what he is facing for punishment? Yes, my understanding is it's a low-level uh, Illinois felony that carries up to three years in prison. He was convicted on five out of six counts. Now, sometimes you'll hear journalists uh, look at a situation like that, and they'll multiply the number of counts on which a defendant was convicted by the number of years they can serve. And in, that, in a case like this, they'll say, well, he faces up to 15 years in prison. Technically, that is often true. As a practical matter, it is almost never applied. Because when criminal defendants are found guilty and then sentenced in this country, they usually serve their sentences concurrently, mm. meaning you serve all five sentences at once. So in terms of time served or what the punishment is, it usually doesn't matter whether you're found guilty on whether he's found guilty on one or five. So the, technically, he could go to you know, prison up to 15 years. But that's just not going to happen. Um, it shouldn't happen. That would be a bit much. Most commentators are saying that, legal commentators are saying that he will 
you know, probably get probation with a lot of community service and fines. And I agree with that. I mean, based on my knowledge of the criminal justice system and the kinds of defendants I see get sentenced, um, especially in the criminal justice reform era, um, probation is much more likely here. I would not be surprised, however, if he got a little bit of time. And by a little, I mean, let's, let's say the judge uh, gives him a sentence where he serves, you know, one to three months or something like that. You know, maybe he, maybe he gives him a one-year sentence and suspends 11 months of it. So he goes to jail for a month, and then he, gets, uh, he also gets credit for time served while he's in there. But the bottom line is probably probation slight chance of a little bit of jail time, but not significant jail time. Another issue people might be interested in is the special prosecutor in the case. Remember, it's a special prosecutor because Kim Fox, the original prosecutor in in Chicago and Cook County, she just completely dropped the ball on this because of her political machinations and all of that. Well, there was an investigation into that that eventually led to this special prosecution of Jesse Smollett. And the special prosecutor is asking the court to release his full report into the investigation of the prosecutor up there. And that's really important because that has larger implications for how the prosecutor's office in Cook County works in general in lots of cases. Interesting. Uh, Thank you for being on again, uh, Brent. Uh, I had a question. I wanted to just direct the conversation to the Jelaine Maxwell trial. And uh, there seems to be a lot of it is being uh, underreported, even though it's one of the the biggest, if not the biggest, sexual traffic, uh, sexual trafficking um, stories ever. Uh, What's your opinion as to why that is? Well, you know, I'm old enough to remember when we just had basically three television networks and one or two daily newspapers. You know, today we live in a world of social media internet connections anybody can have a youtube channel you know unless you're a conservative or a christian but um there's a lot you know there's a lot out there competing for people's attention so i i do think that's part of it you know in the in the context of of how uh these items are reported in the news you know it's getting it's getting a fair amount of coverage but you're certainly right that some stories really take off with the media and some don't and look a lot of that has to do with the preferences and the beliefs and even the prejudices of the people covering these stories. Um, the Maxwell case, uh, you know, has caught a certain amount of tension. There's, there have been documentaries on Epstein and on Maxwell. And in her case, the defense is, is presenting their case now. But you know it's not going well when one of your main witnesses is a memory expert who's basically saying that all of your accusers have made this up. You know, that might work when you have one person making an, an accusation against you. It doesn't work when you have many people making accusations against you. So uh, there's a lot of evidence there, but you're right. This, this is probably the largest or one of the largest sex trafficking trials in the United States. I found it very fascinating on the Ghislaine. How do you say her name correctly? Is it Ghislaine? What is it? Like Ghislaine. Ghislaine. Like I've heard Jelaine. it like three different ways, so I have no <laughs> idea how to properly say her name, but... Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, that they intentionally left out the testimony of one of the victims because her testimony implicates huge names, uh, people that we would know, uh, people that we have heard in the headlines in the past, and they, they wanted to avoid that. What is your take on that part of it, Brent? Well, at two points. First, as a, as a political, as a legal matter, um, lawyers will often decide if they think they have enough evidence to win their case, they'll often decide not to bring up other evidence because they don't want to go down a rabbit hole. You know, they don't want to get the jury distracted and they don't want to give the defense 
um, especially for the prosecution, they don't want to give the defense an opportunity to beat up on somebody. You know, they don't want to throw an easy ball over the plate and let the defense knock one out of the park. Mm. You know, that's one thing. The other point, more along non-political lines, is uh, whether true or not, or whether partially true, that may be exaggerated, this case has already been subject to uh, a lot of theories and speculation. You get everything from, you know, reasonable conjecture out there to conspiracy theories. We know that Jeffrey Epstein died in prison. Uh, you know, there are theories about that, about whether he really committed suicide or not. And there will there will always be theories out there and, and conspiracy theories about what was done or how things were done. But it's certainly true that lawyers often decide not to bring up certain witnesses or certain evidence because they're going to go with their A game. They're not they're not going to they're not going to throw something in if they think it's going to create a distraction. There was also a story in the news uh, this week from the Washington Examiner. Nuns and Catholic hospitals head to court over HHS transgender mandate. This is a hospital case where they would not perform this selective surgery on a person who wanted to transition themselves. And now they're being uh, they're being, uh, you know, taken dragged to court over this. What do you make of this? Well, Joe, elections have consequences, don't they? <laughs> they sure do. Yay and amen. And, you know, the previous president set up an office of civil rights for religious liberty. And we were we made tremendous progress on that. And the, and the current administration has shut that down. Uh, it's I just find it appalling. This is one of my personal uh just real grievances is the way uh, these people, and especially the federal government and the state governments, go after nuns. You know, little sisters of the poor being the best example. These are people who take a vow of poverty and dedicate their lives taking, you know, taking care of our our most fragile and vulnerable elderly people in our population with no one else to take care of them. And so they, you know, they they have good values. They're conscientious. And then some government official wants to drag them into court and make them violate their principles. That's what this comes down to. But this is not new. Uh, lawsuits like this have been filed for years against different Catholic hospitals, especially. They're going to continue to be filed. Uh, we also see this in the vaccine mandates. Now, unfortunately, the U.S. Supreme Court decided not to hear a case from New York on the healthcare worker vaccine mandate. Now, that's important because the uh, New York state law allows people to get a medical exemption from the vaccine, but it does not allow a religious objection. Now, just because that's this, insane. Now, and that that and, and that's a matter of, of the free exercise of, of religion. Now, doesn't mean the Supreme Court won't hear it eventually. Again, a lot of people forget about the procedural aspects of the law and they think, well, it's not important. The procedural aspects of the law are very important. It's important that, you know, in order for there to be law and order, you've got to decide the law in an orderly manner. But this lawsuit against the Catholic nuns. Um, th these types of lawsuits have been out there for years, and they're going to be out there for years. And that's why it's important that people stay active and stay alert and remember issues like religious freedom and the ability to practice your religion. It's not just a matter of being able to go to Mass on Sunday and, and participate in Mass within the four walls of your church. You need to be able to live out your religion. That's what we're called to do, and that's what the Constitution allows us to do under the First Amendment. People need to be proactive about defending these rights and getting the right people in government up and down the line, from your locust local from your lowest level official to your local school board, all the way up to president. Do we have any concepts? And I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head when it comes to religious exemptions. I mean, traditionally, people like uh, the uh, Amish, for instance. 
have gotten a, a pretty good pass on religious exemptions. Uh, but are there other groups? At the top of your head, do you happen to know if there's any groups that are skewed more towards religious exemptions than the rest? Well, it's it's not so much a matter of groups. It has to do with the type of claim that's being presented in legal terms, the type of right that is being presented. No, sure. And but I mean, in general, I don't think they give the Amish too hard of a time, right? Uh, in general, well, I'm speaking in general. The Amish, well, what oh, happens is... That music means we're out of time. We're going to have to have you back, Brent. We'll have to pick up that conversation another time, but uh, we're out of time. God love you, Brent. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us today and giving us some insight into some of these stories from the week. We're very grateful to you. Thank you, Joe. All right, we'll, we'll put a pin in that religious exemption story and maybe come back. Uh, we'll have to get Brent back on the program. But that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. We want to thank you for being a part of that hour, dear listener. We're very grateful for you, too. Coming up next week, as I said, we're going to have some great shows. Stephen Mosier is going to be on the program. Alex Marlowe from Breitbart is going to be on the program. Uh, Bishop Athanasius Schneider is going to be on the program. I think Fulton Sheen's going to make an appearance at some point. It's going to be great. So make sure to tune in next week and tell us, uh, share us with a friend. We'd be grateful to you. If you can join us in the second hour, we would love to have you. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation 
versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Friday, December the 17th. And you are hours away from your weekend. You just, just hold on just a little longer, a little bit more coffee, and you get to relax and enjoy your weekend. Who knows? Maybe you get to decorate for Christmas. Uh, it's getting close. We're getting super close. We're excited about next week's show. We're, uh, we're going to have some great guests in the program next week. Looking forward to that. Uh, Alex Marlowe is going to be on. We did. Uh, we had a fascinating interview with Alex about his book, Breaking the Breaking News, about how media is manipulated. And it's a great book. I really enjoyed conversating with Alex about that. And we shared that full-length interview to the CDT Insider email list last night. So if you want to get that uh, early, well, all you got to do is jump on the CDT Insider email. If you do that today, you should be able to get that in your inbox on Sunday afternoon, I believe. So go to our website to uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT and look for the CDT Insider email list and you can join up today. You're going to get the free talk from Father Bill Casey right away as just a a thank you for joining our list. And then you'll get that uh, email that I sent out last night. You'll get it in your inbox on Sunday, which includes not only the full-length, early-access, exclusive Alex Marlowe interview, but it also includes an old-school, really cool radio drama, which I absolutely love radio dramas. From this, one, this one was like 1947. It's called The Incident at Bethlehem. It's super fun. You can listen with your family. In fact... Um, I hope to produce a radio drama at some point, maybe next next year. We'll see. Uh, it's a project that I've wanted to work on for a long time, and boy, it would be super cool to do. But you're going to get that in your inbox, too. So go to the website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and sign up to the CDT Insider email list, or pull out your phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828, and you can do it that way as well. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Are you on our email list? Not yet. I'm going to do that right now. No, no. Ouch. Ouch. That hurts. Uh, (laughs) Oh, by the way, don't forget, you can also buy raffle tickets to buy a uh, to get a Mercedes, to win a Mercedes. That's also an option, too, on the website. But we can't win it. You personally can't win. But you can buy tickets. That's cool. You just can't win. If if your name is drawn, they're going to keep drawing. They're going to pull someone else's name out. True, true. Somebody gets to drive a brand new Mercedes. Come, I think it's in February when we pull the name. Uh, GRNonline.com is the website to check out for that. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Speaking of the website? No, people who drive fancy cars. Oh, who drive fancy cars. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. My, my fancy car without a tailgate still. 
Uh, uh, is that a, is that a stylistic choice? Yes, or? of course. Nobody stole from dynamic. me. Absolutely Nobody stole not. your tailgate. Uh, no, praise be to God. Despite the fact that someone stole my tailgate, but that was a long time ago. Now it's old news, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's still good to be here. Praise be to God. And it's uh, my mom's birthday week, so her birthday is on Sunday. Praise be to God. Happy and birthday, if you would mom! Say, thank you, thank you very much. And if you would say a Hail Mary for her or offer a rosary for her, I'd be very grateful to you if you would do that for her on Sunday. I'll probably bring it up again on Monday since, you know, her birthday is like smack in the middle. So there you go. Amen. Praise be to God. Well, uh, we're very excited about that. And hopefully she'll have a great birthday celebration on Sunday. Uh, lots it's going to be lit. Lots of th- that means something, I guess, to young people. Lit. <laughs> Yeah, very based. We need like a uh, we need like a, a translator on the show who can translate uh, what young people say and put it into English. I can't give away your, my secrets. Yeah. Based, based, lit, no cap. No I have cap. no idea what I just said. Zoomer speak. Zoomer speak. No idea what the uh, what the kids are saying these days. But at any rate, we're going to have a great lineup of shows next week. And like I said, the twenty third, I think, is going to be a pre program show. So we're working on something very special for that. The twenty fourth, which is Friday next week, Christmas Eve, uh, we're going to allow uh, EWTN to. Uh, air their special programming on that day. So we're going to get Fulton Sheen on Friday, the 24th. And then I think the Holy Mass uh, comes after that. So it's going to be very special. Praise be to God. And hopefully you'll, you're going to get a lot out of that programming as well. And then, of course, the following week, I'll be on vacation. But a friend of the show, Jesus Robles, is coming in to fill in for me. And he's going to be hanging out with Adrian and Rudy. And it's going to be a great time. And then, guess what? The week after, Adrian is going to be live in studio with, with, with us from there on. So Rudy, we're super excited. You said Adrian's going to be live with you all. What did I say? You said me. I you mean Rudy. Did I mean Rudy? I think so. Was it a Freudian slip? I'm pretty sure you mean Rudy. <laughs> Rudy, you're, you're going to be here, right? Rudy's going to be live in studio with us the week after because he's moving from California. Yep. Was that better? Yeah. All right. Let's jump in. Let's, let's pray. We have a very long gospel to get through today and, uh, and a game show to play at 15 past. So if you want to win prizes, today's the day. You got to do it today. Uh, your last three chances to win the prize is coming up in just a few minutes, and we'll give out the phone number at the time, so make sure you're the first caller when I do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now the good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your good news story. Forewarning, this is more of a bittersweet story. LifeSite reports, loving mom sick with COVID saves baby's life with premature delivery, but dies 10 days later. This blog post is written by Stephen Cox, LifeSite's content marketing manager. He says, I first met Jessica Halgren a little over a year ago. I noticed her for the first time when she came to our small chapel in Allendale, Michigan. It's not hard to stand out here. We're a rather tight-knit community. When someone new comes along, it's easy to spot them. What struck me most about Jessica, like all those who are interested in traditional Catholicism, was her simple desire to know the truth. She had an inquisitive mind and never shied away from a question or sharing her opinion. She also had a feminine and joyful personality. She was a humble person who loved being a mom, a wife, and a friend. I can't recall exactly when, but Jessica 
Jessica's husband, a chef, and their four kids started coming to our church, and so did her parents. God was undoubtedly acting through her. About a month ago, COVID hit our church, and like many parishioners, Jessica got the virus. But unlike other parishioners, she was seven months pregnant. Many people began offering medical advice so she could get better with natural treatments. However, her symptoms soon got to the point that going to the hospital became a necessity. Her coughing hadn't stopped, her oxygen dropped to a dangerously low level, and she'd contracted pneumonia. She was very concerned about the baby, her mom told me. That's why she went to the hospital. Everyone at our chapel prayed very hard for Jessica's recovery. At the hospital, she told the staff, I want you to take the baby if anything happens. Given that she wasn't doing well, a C-section was performed, and that procedure took place on Saturday, December 4th. Baby Margaret Holgren entered this world prematurely by two months, weighing just two pounds and 14 ounces. Margaret was given the middle name Barbara after Jessica's grandma and after St. Barbara, whose feast day she was born on. Thankfully, Margaret continues to improve with each passing day. Before being put on the ventilator, a priest heard Jessica's confession and gave her Holy Communion. Later, she was given last rites. She was prepared to go, especially in order to save her baby's life, her mom told me. Jessica Holgren passed away on Tuesday the 14th, surrounded by her parents, loving husband, and eldest daughter. I will miss her very much. Our church and the world lost a loving young mom who had a long life yet to live and a beautiful family yet to raise. I believe Jessica may well be considered a saint one day for having laid down her life for her child and that she could be remembered in the eyes of the church in the same way as St. Gianna Beretta Mola. I will continue to pray for the repose of Jessica's soul, but know that she gave up her own life like Christ did for us so her child could live. What greater love have than this, than to lay down one's life for a friend? John 15, 13 says. There's currently a GoFundMe campaign raising money for Jessica's husband, and there are many children who are in dire need. Find this story on LifeSite to make a donation. The family is currently without a home, and they were in the middle of a move uh, when COVID hit and require assistance to cover funeral costs, medical expenses, and the like. Please, in your charity this Advent season, help this family of modest means. Uh, with any support you can give. St. Gianna, pray for us, and eternal rest grant unto her, O Lord. That was your good news story for the day. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Bega. She was born in 615. This saint was a daughter of Pepin of Landon, the eldest sister to St. Gertrude of Nivelle, and married to Ansiges, son of St. Arnold, who was for some time the mayor of the palace, and afterwards the bishop of Metz. Her husband being killed in a hunting accident, she dedicated herself to a penitential state of retirement. And after performing a pilgrimage to Rome, built seven chapels at Andon on the Meuse, an imitation of the seven principal churches at Rome. There, she also founded a great nunnery, an imitation of that which her sister governed at Nivelle, from which she was furnished with a little colony who laid the foundation of this monastery and lived under her direction. Many holy virgins were trained up by them in the perfect practice of piety. The rich monastery of Andon was afterwards converted into a collegiate church of 32 canonesses of noble families, with 10 canons to officiate at the altar. It is situate in the forest of Arden in the Diocese of Namar. St. Bega departed to our Lord in the year 698 and is named in the Roman martyrology. She was also the great-great-great-grandmother of the Emperor Charlemagne. Praise be to God. She died in 693. Saint Bega, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. 
The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab became the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah, Solomon became the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph, Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jerome, Jerome the father of Uzziah, Uzziah became the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah, Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jeconiah became the father of Shelitiel, Shelitiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud the father of Elikiam, Elikiam the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok became the father of Achiam, Achiam the father of Eluid, Eluid the father of Eliziar, Eliziar became the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of her was born Jesus who is called the Christ. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations. From David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Ambrose would say he therefore names specifically or specially two authors of his birth who received the promise concerning the kindreds, kindreds rather, the kindreds of the people, the other who obtained the oracle concerning the generation of Christ. And though he is later in order of succession, is yet first named, inasmuch as it is greater to have received the promise concerning Christ than concerning the church, which is through Christ. For greater is he who saves than he that which is saved. Close quote. St. Ambrose, pray for us. We've got about a minute, Adrian. Did you find anything? Oh, my goodness. Cornelius Lopity had so much to say about this, but so not I'll much try to then. limit. No, no, no. <laughs> I got 40 minutes. Uh, no. <laughs> so real quickly, the uh, one point that you mentioned in the last hour was about the harlots. Uh, and that's mentioned in the previous, uh, in, the, in the very beginning. The three, four women were mentioned in the genealogy. Three of them are harlots, the other a Gentile. Why is this signified? Well, Cornelius Lapide says it's because our Lord became sin who knew no sin, meaning he who came for the abolishing and putting away of sins wished to be born of sinners. The second thing I want to note, and the last thing I want to note, is uh, what Cornelius Lapide says about noble births. Um, he says, tropological, tropologically since, he says, the vanity of pride of birth and that true nobility consists not in ancestry, but in our own good disposition and virtues. Wherefore, let no one be ashamed of his birth, not even of vile and wicked ancestors. This is very important. He quotes Cicero saying, I have outshone my forefathers in virtue. And then he goes on, according to Plato and Seneca, is of the opinion that all kings are descended from servants and that all servants are sprung from kings, that there is no king who has been entirely free from the plow and no plowman 
who has not been mixed up with kings. So our Lord's prophecy fulfilled in pagan philosophies and in Jewish prophecies. All right, we might have to uh, dress a little bit of this, maybe more in the after show, so stick around for that. But it is time to play the game Fear and Trembling. It is time to take one last opportunity to get somebody in the coffee cup of divine providence to possibly win the prize this week, and your chance is right now. You do need to make a phone call if you want to be that contestant. Be the first caller at 877-757-9424. That's 877 877- 757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be the contestant. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church, with over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. But like usual, my phones crashed right before we went to break. So the phone lines are available now. So call now. If you tried to call in a minute ago, call back. A first caller gets to be our contestant for the last three chances to get in on the prize drawing, which happens today. Uh, that phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now, and you get to be our contestant at 877 877- 
757-9424. But there are, as I say, a few things we like to do that are secret and hidden, so I don't tell anybody this. Uh, so you got to promise me to keep this just between the two of us, okay? Here's the deal. Uh, we like to teach the faith, number one, and there are teachable moments in these questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God, that's a good thing. Number two, we like to laugh and have a good time with our callers, and they tend to be very good sports, and we enjoy that quite a bit, to be frank. And then number three, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everyone involved. Praise be to God. But here is the kicker. I will not ask the caller the question, so they don't need to know the answers to possibly win our game. And the reason why is because I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, the other will be incorrect, and the caller will have... 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to possibly win the prize, which is going to be drawn today and given out live on the air today. Uh, Rudy, what could they win? Well, this week we have a generous sponsor, Chris Lewis, who's actually a previous sponsor of the show. Praise He's an illustrator God. behind Baritas, an artistic project dedicated to preserving the legacy of our rich Catholic artistic traditions. He's a, an incredible, incredible illustrator, really great work. And uh, he's generously sponsored this week's game show with some beautifully illustrated prayer cards. So wow, supercharge your prayer life. Thank you very much, Baritus. We're very yeah, grateful again. to you. Praise be to God. All right, let's go to the phones. Norma, good morning to you. Thank you for calling into our program. Hi, good morning for taking me. I've been listening in your program since February when I was wow. here in Alexandria. Wow, yes, that's a long time ago. <laughs> Praise be to God. Thank you. Well, thanks for hanging out with us in 2021. We're super, super grateful and uh, look forward to hanging out with you in 2022. Now, uh, where are you calling from, Norma? Alexandria, Virginia. I just wow. moved here uh, with, my, with my daughter um, since I, my husband passed away. So. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. I'm here now in Alexandria. Wow. Well, God love you. Thank you for, for calling in. And Alexandra, Virginia's on the board. It's been a great week of uh, of some calls coming from all over. So uh, praise be to God for that. But where, do you, where do you go to church, Norma? Where do you go to church? Uh, St. Lord. In fact, um, every morning my, my mass is 9, 9 a.m. And so I'm here now. Right now I'm parking in front of St. Lawrence. Nice. And I listen to you. I, I don't... Uh, I, I, Listen to you before I enter the church. So now I'm crafty. <laughs> wow. God is so very good. All right, Norma. So then you're a veteran of Catholic Drive Time. You're one of our insiders. So you must know the rules. You know how the game works. Are you ready to play, Norma? Yes, sir. I think so. <laughs> it is good. So. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Now I'm getting nervous. Don't, always, don't be. Uh, don't be. Joining you, but but now that it's me, I'm now nervous. Don't be. I am on your side, Norma. My job is to get you into this cup. Let's see if we can't get this done. All right, we're going to go to Rudy first, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Actually, you know, on second thought, can I think about it? No. Rudy, can you tell me? During what season... Is the Alleluia omitted from Mass? When are we not allowed to proclaim the Alleluia during Mass? What season is that? Advent. Wow. Yep. Mm, we're like, are we in Advent right now? Yeah, you can't. <laughs> don't do the Alleluia. No? Okay. Mm, let's just get a second opinion on this one. Adrian, uh, can you tell me, during 
the during what season is the Alleluia omitted from Holy Mass? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to Mass last Sunday. You did, and it was Advent. Was it? And I seem to remember a certain word being being said. Uh huh. But I don't Ooh. remember it during Lent. So your mm-hmm. answer is Lent. Yep. Hmm. The Great Fast. The Great Fast. Uh, so we would fast from the Alleluia as well. You're saying as well. Okay. Okay. Got to hmm. bury that owl. <laughs> I'm going to call the bishop. Norma, Norma, here is the deal. Here is the deal. The question is, in what season do we not say the Alleluia during Mass? Adrian says it is not said during Lent, whereas Rudy says it is not said during Advent. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Norma, what say you? At Lent time, till Easter, it's Adrian. Wow. Yes. Very confident answer there, Norma. Well yes. done. Praise be to God. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's Advent. We can do that. It's totally legitimate. We can do that. True, true. You're in the cup, Norma. Congratulations. See, what are you oh, nervous okay, about? You got you. this. You're good. No, I know. Yes. Okay. Norma, you're an expert. I'll be embarrassed if I'd be wrong. I'll be embarrassed. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be. All right. So, all right. This next one could potentially be a tricky question. We're going to see how this goes. We're going to go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? Maybe. To pray for the living and the dead uh-huh. is what type of mercy, work of mercy? What's, what do we call that? That's funny that this question came up today. I was just talking about this with our uh, our system manager. What a coincidence. Yeah, it's crazy how what that happened. Coinky day. Yeah, it's the spiritual works of mercy. We all talk about the corporate works of mercy, uh-huh. but this these are one of the spiritual works of mercy. Spiritual work of mercy. Mm-hmm. Whoever uh-huh. chose this question, good job. Wow. I wonder who that could be. No idea. No idea. Hmm. Uh, Rudy, uh, can you tell me, uh, to pray for the living and the dead is what type of work of mercy? Well, uh, you know, while you're on earth, you, know, you have a corpus. So um, I'm going to say it's a corporal work of mercy. A corporal work yeah, of mercy. So you're, praying. You're praying, you're praying for the, the person, the body hmm. died. Mm, so praying, died. but yeah. it, mm-hmm. it also says living. Does that make a diff? <sighs> it says living and the uh, living and the dead. Oh my god! I'm still gonna go with corporal. You're stu- your answer is yeah. corporal. Yeah. So you're focused on the body. Oh yeah, for sure. Ah, mm. Okay, Norma. Here is the deal. Uh, the, what type of mercy is it to pray for the living and the dead? Is the question. Rudy seems to think it's a corporal work of mercy. Whereas Adrian says it's a spiritual work of mercy to pray for the living and the dead. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Norma, what say you? Survey says oh, Got it. Yeah. No, easy peasy. Wow. Good job. That was definitely the hardest of all three, I would argue. Thank you, Oh, yeah. no problem, no problem. Wow. Adrian. Easy peasy. Got all the credit on that one. That's, that's all my hands. It's all me. <laughs> I take credit for all good things. He also picked the question too, so what? He deserves the credit. Totally. <laughs> All right, uh, you're you're doing great, Norma. You got two Thank down, you. one oh to go. Let's see if we can't get this done. Back to Rudy. Oh Rudy, God. can you tell me what is the name given to the cloth in which the body of Jesus was wrapped after crucifixion? Now you were focused on the body in the last question, so you should nail this one. What oh, is yeah. the name of the cloth wrapped 
around the body of Jesus after the resurrection? Well, it's still preserved. I'm going to go with the uh, Shroud of Turin. Wow. Okay, I've heard of that. The Shroud of Turin. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, what is the name given mm -hmm. to the cloth in which yes. the body of Jesus uh -huh. was wrapped after mm -hmm. crucifixion? Right. That would be the Veil of Veronica. Really? Yeah. Has his face implanted on it. Hmm. The Veil of Veronica, you say. Okay, here's the deal. Norma? Yes. All right, so the cloth that wrapped the body of Jesus, Adrian seems to think it's called the Veil of Veronica, you know, with the face on it, uh, versus Rudy says it's the Shroud of Turin. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Norma, what say you? Shroud of Turin. I've been watching all the DVDs of Shroud of Turin, and I'm going there. Survey says... Yeah! Praise be to God. Perfect score, Norma. Now, I'm just a great. I'll be 75 years old tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday, Norma! Congratulations. We're 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 running out of time, though. We had to pick a name before we say goodbye. It may or may not be you, Norma. I don't know. So let's just see. God's will be done. Thank you. Oh, it's it is Catherine. Catherine from yesterday. From yesterday. Catherine, congratulations. One in the pot, and she got it. Well, Norma, Thank you didn't you. win, but you were a lot of fun, and you did a great Thank job. You. God bless you, Norma. God bless you, guys. Thank God you for uh, listening Bye -bye. to us. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Praise be to God. That was a lot of fun. Have a great weekend, by the way. But in the after show, we're going to conversate with, I think, Dave Palmer may be on to talk about Back to the Father and Baby Jesus. That's coming up, plus a lot more in the after show on one of the live video feeds. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash C-D-T. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Friday of the third week of Advent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Oh, come thou wisdom from on high and order all things far and nigh to us the path of knowledge show and teach us in her ways to go rejoice rejoice O israel to thee shall come Emmanuel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. 
Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You are sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, creator and redeemer of human nature, who willed that your word should take flesh in an ever-virgin womb, look with favor on our prayers that your only begotten Son, having taken to himself our humanity, may be pleased to grant us a share in his divinity, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. Jacob called his sons and said to them, Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. You, Judah, shall your brothers praise, your hand on the neck of your enemies. The sons of your father shall bow down to you. Judah, like a lion's whelp, you have grown up on prey, my son. He crouches like a lion recumbent, the king of beasts, who would dare rouse him. The scepter shall never depart from Judah, or the mace from between his legs, while tribute is brought to him, and he receives the people's homage. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Justice shall flourish in his time, in fullness of peace forever. Justice, Justice shall flourish in his time, in fullness of peace forever. O God, with your judgment endow the king, and with your justice the king's son. He shall govern your people with justice, and your afflicted ones with judgment. Justice, justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. The mountains shall yield peace for the people, and the hills justice. He shall defend the afflicted among the people, save the children of the poor. Justice shall flourish in his time, in fullness of peace forever. Justice shall flower in his days, in profound peace, till the moon be no more. May he rule from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Justice shall flourish in his time, in fullness of peace forever. May his name be blessed forever, as long as the sun his name shall remain. In him shall all the tribes of the earth be blessed. All the nations shall proclaim his happiness. Justice, Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. O wisdom of our God most high, guiding creation with power and love, come to teach us the path of knowledge. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. 
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the beginning of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab became the father of Nashan, Nashan the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph. Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah became the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah, Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud became the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Achim, Achim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar became the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of her was born Jesus who is called the Christ. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile 14 generations from the Babylonian exile to the Christ 14 generations the gospel of the Lord praise to you Lord Jesus Christ today December 17th the Universal Church begins the immediate preparation for the birth of Christ, December 25th. And between the dates of December 17th and December 24th, Christmas Eve, we have readings from the infancy narratives of the Gospel of St. Luke and St. Matthew. Today we hear the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, 
pointing back to the time of Abraham and David, very significant that, that God's going to have the Christ, who we know is the eternal word of God, who uh, assumes our human nature by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, that he comes from the line of Abraham and David and all the promises and covenants made to them being fulfilled in Jesus. And we rejoice in God's wisdom, which is the O antiphon today. We're given these O antiphons, which refer to the seven antiphons that are recited or chanted preceding the Magnificat during Vespers of the Liturgy of the Hours and also are the Gospel Antiphon. They are all contained in the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And the importance of the O Antiphons is twofold. Each one highlights a title for the Messiah. So we're preparing for the birth of Christ and we should have a great expectation. The promised Messiah is coming. We should be preparing as if this is the first Christmas ever in our life. We've never, we, we, we've never experienced Christmas before like we're going to this year. We've had this great expectation like the, the patriarchs and, and, and the prophets of old and, 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 and so many longing for the Messiah. And we have these great titles that help us know the one that will be born for us. Today, wisdom. We need wisdom in this world, not just intelligence, not just information. We need wisdom to see things the way God sees. Actually, Advent is not just four weeks in December. Advent was this preparation for the coming of Christ that actually is the plan of God from the beginning. And so, you know, we need wisdom. We will hear about the antiphon of the title of our Lord and the root of Jesse and the key of David and the rising sun and the king of nations and, of course, Emmanuel, God with us. And these all refer to prophecies of the coming Messiah. And so these help us prepare and receive the gift of Jesus. Another interesting aspect of the O Antiphons, if you take the Latin word for the titles of the Messiah and you put the first letter for each one in reverse order, Emmanuel, Rex, Oriens, Clavis, Radix, Adonai, Sapientia. Sapientia is wisdom today. Then the Latin word arrow cross is formed, meaning tomorrow I will come. Tomorrow I will come. That's what will happen just December 24th, but let's prepare this week. Let's get rid of all worldly preoccupations, getting too consumed and caught up, getting caught up with material preparations for Christmas. Let's really focus this week so we can receive Jesus in a new and profound way this Christmas to be born into our hearts, to be born into our marriages, to be born into our families, to be born into our world. We need Jesus. And so these O antiphons help us prepare. We need wisdom. Today, let's focus on that. Come to us wisdom and look for wisdom and, and try to live by the wisdom of God. And so the Lord is coming. We've been preparing during Advent for the coming of the Lord. Let's increase our intensity of our preparation and bring it to a joyful conclusion. 
God bless you and Mary smile upon you. We now stand to place our prayers and petitions before the throne of the Most Holy Trinity with faith and confidence in God's infinite mercy that the whole world will prepare to receive the wisdom of God born for us from on high, Jesus Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the leaders of the church and the leaders of the world to turn their minds and their hearts towards Jesus Christ and help the people they serve to turn towards the birth of Jesus that we need so desperately in this world, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the sick and the suffering and the relief and the release of the holy souls in purgatory, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for all those we've promised to pray for, who need our prayers, who are bound to pray for, and who have no one to pray for them, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to teach us your way of wisdom. Anoint us in the Holy Spirit to live in the wisdom of God. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The King shall come where morning dawns And light triumphant breaks When beauty gilds the eastern hills and life to joy awakes not as of old a little child to bear and fight and die but crowned with glory like the sun that lights the morning sky who brighter than the rising morn when he victorious rose and left alone some place of death despite the rage of foes the king shall come when morning dawns and light and beauty brings hail christ the lord thy people pray Come quickly, King of Kings. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Sanctify these gifts of your church, O Lord, and grant that through these venerable mysteries we may be nourished with the bread of heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For all the oracles of the prophets foretold him. The Virgin Mother longed for him with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. It is by his gift that already we rejoice at the mystery of his nativity, so that he may find us watchful in prayer and exultant in his praise. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory 
as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenisum Celia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mysterium Fidei, Mortum Tuam, Annunciamus Domine, Et Tuam, Resurrectionem Confitemur, Donec Venias. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven. And as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church in recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with this Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John the Baptist, St. Elizabeth, St. Zechariah, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence 
we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom that we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Quitolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. pray. Nourished by these divine gifts, Almighty God, we ask you to grant our desire that aflame with your spirit we may shine like bright torches before your Christ when he comes, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus, Pater et Filius et Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O come, divine Messiah, the world in silence waits the day when hope shall sing its triumph and sadness flee away. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. a 